podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback defense tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, man? <laughs> I like I like your DJ voice. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> it's week it's week fourteen. <laughs> We're still tilting. Mm. Yes, I'm I'm tilting beyond belief right now. I, I, I look, I don't like talking about like my own fantasy leagues and stuff like that, but like. I'm not yes, kidding. I, I was, yeah, I love it actually. There were there were like there there were like four leagues that I was like borderline, you know, like a five to seven seed going into into this final week where I had like playoff spots. Some other things needed to happen, and then I'd get bounced bounced out. Whatever. Figure you know yeah. in those situations you're gonna win like half of them. Like you'll get mm-hmm. none of them. I not none of them did I get in. It was the most tilting, ridiculous. Like there was one league where. Three other teams had to win and I had to lose for me not to make the playoffs and I lost. Like Oh no. Like how ha- like it was, it's just tilting and then that that also carries over, Denny, I should mention it now, to the Living the Stream League. The, right. The Living the Stream League, I was in first place halfway through the season. I ended up getting the sixth seed, but because I have great rules for how to make the playoffs, uh the last team that got in had a worse record than me. Uh, I had to switch out because he had more points scored than me, which is, the, you know, it's it's more fair to do it that way. But I just go back to that game a couple weeks ago in that league where I faced Tom Everett Scott and Dak got me negative points. And that's yeah. that's why I lost that game. That's tough. Yeah. Well, uh, Tom wiped me out twice this year and completely ruined any chance that I had at the, at the playoffs. So I do I do want to. You say, you know, thank you to uh, the Hollywood elite that we let into this league once again. Yeah. So Denny and I out of the playoffs in the Living the Stream Listener League, which means everyone is better than us at fantasy football that listens to the show. Uh, but speaking of Tom, Denny, there's a, a very, very special thing that's happening with our buddy Tom Everett Scott. Extremely special. I, uh, I've, I found this out uh, uh, the other day. I was watching. Uh, Hallmark Christmas movie with uh, my wife who who came back for a couple of days and just for the Hallmark movie, just well yeah I mean she was excited for that for that movie we uh, we sat her her attorney sat between us and <laughs> um, we were watching it and uh, <laughs> and she said hey has Tom ever done a Hallmark movie and I said that's a good question so a little while later I texted him and he said that uh, he said. Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> and he sent me he sent me a link to a Hallmark movie that he's starring in in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. The the Christmas Connection, I believe it's called. Um, the synopsis I pulled it from IMDb. It says, flight attendant Sydney is tasked with looking after Leah, an eight year old unaccompanied minor flying back to Chicago after visiting family. Sydney is charmed by the little girl and makes an instant connection with her. After Leah is safely delivered to her father, Jonathan, that's that's Tom Everett Scott, mm-hmm. uh, Sydney finds a package Leah left behind. 
Sydney delivers the gift back to Leah and gets invited to join in on some fun family Christmas festivities. When Sydney misses her connection, she is stuck for a few days. Grounded from her jet-setting ways, Sydney bumps into Leah and Jonathan who invite her who oh who invite her spend they they have a typo in this uh, who invite her to spend the holidays with them showing sydney the value of a staying put long enough showing sydney the value of a staying put long enough to fall in love that this is really poorly written but yeah but regardless tom so i i was i was texting tom about this as well because i i i was like i was i heard that he was in a hallmark movie or mm-hmm. or if you or i asked him if he was doing one and mm-hmm. uh I really, you know, there are two avenues that you can go down if you're going to be the main male lead in one of these movies. It's either you're the douchey workaholic, right? Right. Or who who then like falls in love with Christmas, right? Or you're the widowed husband or widowed man who has a child, right? With no with no mother figure, and then that mother figure comes into play, and that's exactly what's happening in, in this one. It seems like. Oh, okay, and, and so the, the the little the little girl is it a little girl is it a teenager an eight an eight year old she was she was an unaccompanied eight. on the plane so Tom's a bad father but uh, it's an eight year old did I hear who has who has jet setting ways that that description was so bad that I don't know who's who who has jet setting ways I I think it's Sydney because she's grounded from her jet setting ways okay Sydney is the girl Sid, well, well Sid, Leah is the girl. I don't know. It's, it's a really weird phrase to use. Yeah, I'm just wondering because because uh, a big part of of a lot of these Hallmark movies is are, are really rich people learning like the true value of Christmas. Yes. and like you know, like right. like like yeah, you're fantastically, unbelievably wealthy, but you don't know what Christmas is all about, which right. is ultimately giving gifts that you can probably do a lot whole lot easier than people <laughs> people with average income exactly so. exactly yeah there was one we're only halfway through it because the Steeler game came on last night but there was one where this guy inherited a business uh and he's you know it's a son of a, of a father of this guy yes. who, who's super rich and they interview someone to be his assistant and the woman goes in to interview and the person's name was riley v but the last name, the V last name, was different on the resume of what was in front of her while they were actually interviewing her. So they were mm-hmm. interviewing her based on the wrong Riley V resume. Okay. Crazy. But then all this crazy stuff. And then at, at one point uh, during the interview, they go down to meet the owner of this company and she gives him a really good insight. And they're like, we have to hire her. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, then a lot of other stuff starts to happen. But, you know, I, like I already know you. The thing with the Hallmark movies, I mean, you obviously know what's going to happen and who the who the the love like how the love story is going to unfold. But the the crazy thing that that my wife and I, when we were watching this, the the owner of this business, the son, was like had some sort of personality disorder. Like it was it was really strange. He would be like, I mean, he was like bipolar. It was like a like one really? scene. One scene, he was angry at the world. And he hated everything, hated Christmas, hated this woman. And the next scene, he's like making jokes and, and, and smiling right. and poking fun. at. It was like there was no consistent character yeah. with it. It was really, really interesting. You know, you know what I say when that happens? I know exactly what you're talking about, where you, you can't really make heads or tails out of what this character is portraying or who he's supposed to be. Right. So the, one, the thing I always I always say when I'm watching something, something like that, that helps me that like cope with it, like deal with what's going on is I just go editing. 
it was the editing. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, right. Like they, they messed up the editing, obviously. And, and now we can't tell if this person is supposed to be like a Grinch type character or like a well-adjusted Christmas lover who is in all of these movies. Right. And the problem is that in the end, once this person inevitably falls in love and they share a kiss at the end, probably just randomly under, under mistletoe because it just, they're, they're, they're yeah. going to, they're going to be like, they're going to be like on an ice skating rink and there's like mistletoe somehow above them so that they yeah. kiss. But exactly. But uh, you're, it's not going to feel like you're not going to have the same feeling because if you don't know how this person actually like if you're not connecting with that character. Yeah. Then how are you really supposed to, to really fall for this love story? Did, did you see the one where the, the, the wife is pregnant and, and she's not telling the husband? No. And that, this seems and, like are you sure this wasn't a lifetime true story like the? I'm just oh, kidding. oh, no, 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 no. It, it, that, that sounds dark. It's not dark. It's just the the Christmas season is so hectic and crazy that she literally can't find three seconds to tell her husband. That has to be the most frustrating thing ever to watch. I was screaming at the TV. I was just <laughs> standing up screaming. I was like, tell him, tell him right now, my God. And he had lost his he had lost his job. Uh, um, and he couldn't find time to tell her that he had lost his job. No, this is, no. And they might have to move out of their mansion. This is yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, this, there is nothing worse than worse in cinema than when there there's there's a secret that someone's trying to tell another person and the whole audience knows what the secret yeah. is and they and they're they're just like but but and they like start they, they can't get it out it's like no this is not how conversations work in everyday life writers quit doing that this is not real that's not how things happen that is not at all i've never been in that position and i'm old af but one thing that i'm looking forward to uh, uh tom said that it was cold as hell uh sorry to the kids uh, out there but uh uh filming this filming this hallmark movie uh which i think is good because most of these movies at least to me appear to have been filmed in 75 degree weather in the spring or summer yeah uh and and you can tell that these actors are dying wearing like huge coats and scarves <laughs> And hats, and it's seventy-two degrees and sunny in L.A. or wherever right. or wherever they are, Toronto. You know who who knows. And by the way, no one needs scarves. They just stop with the scarves. Yeah, scar. Who? No, no one does. No one needs scarves. You're totally right. No, you know, this is just a, a a fashion thing for for people who consider themselves fashionable. You you don't you don't need a scarf. Uh, uh, I my my parents got me a scarf a few years ago. Uh, and I promptly threw it in the fire pit outside. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that take. I think that's very, very reasonable. Um, all right, Denny, let's talk about what happened in Week 13. Defense was really, really strong. Uh, we had the Chargers; they scored 11. The Bears scored 11. The Titans scored 10. And the Raiders even came through with eight. Uh, at quarterback, our best quarterback pick last week was Blake Bortles, who had a, over 25 fantasy points. Um, someone had a really hilarious tweet that said something along the lines of like me getting a tattoo or me needing on my, on my, on my grave, uh, saying, uh, I, I don't mind Bortles. Cause it's <laughs> all, it's right. all, it's always like, I don't, yeah, I don't mind him. He's, he's fine. The idea, the idea of Blake Bortles is actually really good. Yeah. Right. You know, if you right. think about it. Uh, he was definitely a very process oriented pick last week. Uh, Brett Hundley, uh, he had seven points. He was a disaster. What an S show. Like what an, idiot. like I, 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 I'm, I'm so mad at that situation. So mad at that. I, ha I was so heavily invested in that game for DFS purposes. <laughs> oh yeah, it was God. it was really really not a fun matchup for for uh, fantasy purposes. Uh, G and especially Devonte Adams had like so many so much 
was getting so much love early in that game mm-hmm. and then he just disappeared. Um, yeah. Geno Smith as a very deep play. This was most certainly just the idea of Geno Smith. He almost scored 10 points. Not great. Case Keenum though, another great outing for him. He's basically been a, I mean, he's a QB one case Keenum. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's how, that's how he's, he's like a high end two, low end one each week. It's very, very uh, nice. Uh, Jesse James caught a ball late in that game. Um, that game, that game was such a disaster on so many levels, so many levels. And I, I've had people um, in my mentions today calling me soft for saying that football was sad last night. Yeah, well, it was it was sad. I, what what is? I mean, you're not a caveman, so it was sad. Yeah, it was it was incredibly sad. Um, Jesse James though did not come through. Charles Clay didn't really come through either because that offense was a dumpster fire. He scored five yeah. points, but Julius Thomas scored a touchdown, Denny. I was happy, very happy to see that his touchdown celebration was a mystery. I have to say, I, he, I don't think I saw. I don't think I remember it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Riding, I think, but was it, was it a Bronco does? reference? It, I, oh, oh, oh! He was playing his. Oh, that's Narrative Street. Oh, we didn't even oh, talk about Narrative. Dude, no, we had Street. Narrative Street with Julius and Cuddy. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, we, okay. had, we had a lot of narratives there. Yeah, right. Uh, there you go. But Julius Thomas, uh, you know, a good streamer, especially this late in the year, whenever tight end is just a pos. But we have oh. we have a, we have a lot of uh, tight end fun. We do fun tight ends this week. I think we, we do. Real quick, getting back to the thing about the sad sad Monday night game. You're talking about Ryan Shazier possibly being paralyzed, right? And you're talking about the hit on Burfict late in the game, right? Yeah, there was a hit on Burfict late in the game. So there was the the Juju, um, you know, to be fair, I don't think that he's like purposely going for his head, but standing on top of perfect when he's down is the bad look there. Like, you know, hit to the heads happen. And I'm not saying that they're good. I'm saying that we know that they do happen. The yeah. goal is to try to avoid those from happening, of course. Um, right. but, but the standing over Vontez perfect, regardless of how ignorant Vontez perfect is, uh, is ridiculous. And then I, go ahead. Uh, I have to say, I'm not, you know, I don't care about any teams or whatever. I hate Vontez Perfect. And if I were on that team and saw Antonio Brown get smashed by Perfect right. and Perfect busted uh, Le'Veon Bell's knee a couple years ago, right, right. I don't feel I don't feel so bad. You 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 have to. I think that you have to put yourself. You know, I I try to try my best to not like be over overly emotional, especially whenever it's a team. You know, it's a it's the Steelers, my team. Um, I try not to be overly emotional in terms of like, look, he's still a, a person. Like we don't want anyone to like be concussed in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, it's one of those situations where like Vontez perfect is like objectively the dirtiest player in football. And it's just kind of one of those things where it's, it's awkward. It feels weird. Right. Cause, it, cause you're, you're, yeah. you're not like sitting there going like, yeah, Vontez perfect deserved that. I don't think anyone really deserves that, but I think that if you're in competition, you can at least see why, you know, Antonio Brown in the locker room afterwards when they were interviewing Juju, I don't know if you saw this or not, but it's going all over uh, Pittsburgh yeah. media. But um, after afterwards, they're interviewing Juju, who's a young rookie. Um, and, you know, he's he's apologizing for what he did, trying to say the right thing. And Antonio Brown is in the background saying that he's going to pay, pay Juju's fine and that this is all karma. And he just keeps saying karma, karma. And it's like, yeah. it's like part of me is like, okay, I get it. But part of me is like, you know, that, I'm just to be real with you. You know, part of me is like, yeah, I, I totally get it. But then part of me is like, it's still a dude who just got his brain shook 
right? Yeah, like, like it really, it's not a great situation for I, like the league or even Vontez Perfect himself. The the justice lover in me doesn't hate it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, yeah. but yeah, and then, and then at the end of the game, you had the and, and how did Antonio Brown catch that touchdown? Like I have no he, idea. he got destroyed in the head, and then he's just sa- sitting there on the ground, and then he just throws his arms out after he scores the touchdown and he, that guy's a freak of nature you know you know people benched him i mean i saw on twitter people were saying yeah, I, I benched around because he was he was hurt why would you do that right I don't like understand. no one because I, I look i was talking to my brother about that as well because he was like i need a lot of upside should i just play martavis instead of antonio brown oh, and i'm no. like i'm like no because the up like what what upside does martavis bryant truly give you right now the upside of antonio brown regardless of an injury is better than still 98% of the NFL. Like yes. it's ridiculous to ever bench Antonio Brown. If he's on the field, I think you, you are making way too many assumptions. If you think, if you talk about decoy this and decoy that, and he's going to be limited. You're, I mean, you are just, you're out, you're out thinking yourself like the, to the nth degree. Yeah. Uh, all right, Denny, let's move on to a big week, week 14, the yeah. first week of the fantasy playoffs. I, I actually, all my fantasy teams got, um, this isn't even a, a brag. It's just because all my fringe teams got knocked out, but I have a lot of teams on buy this week. So I don't even have teams to really manage. So this is all me giving recommendations this week. It's very, very odd. That's very freeing. Uh, and I also, I'm in the same spot actually, uh, but it's only because none of my teams made the playoffs. <laughs> I, Actually, one one snuck in, one snuck in, but uh, but uh, I don't I don't have any. So are these your Kamara teams? These must be your. Kamara I, teams. No, yes, a couple of them have Alvin Kamara. Uh, I, I, some of them don't. It was just just kind of came together. I have a lot of Mark Ingram this year too. Um, I mean, it was a good year overall. I just wish that you know you wish that you could hedge a little bit with those fringe teams, just getting in, just in case you know you never know if a team can make a run or not. But uh, the fantasy gods yeah. said otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's uh, let's talk about defense. I'll actually kick things off because okay. uh, I have two that I want to talk about. The first one, Cincinnati, the defense we were just talking about. They're still owned in a lot of leagues because of the matchup that they had this week against Pittsburgh. Uh, the Bengals are facing the Bears. They're in Cincinnati. They're six and a half point favorites. Those are that's exactly the scenario that you want uh, for a streaming defense. Big favorites at home, and they're facing a bad quarterback or bad quarterback right now. I don't want to say that he's going to be bad forever. Uh, but Mitch Trubisky, since taking over that starting gig in Chicago, only two of eight defenses that Chicago has faced have finished outside the top 12 in defensive mm-hmm. scoring. So six of the eight defenses that they faced, one of them includes that the finished outside the top 12 was San Francisco, who's a terrible defense. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them was week the first week that Trubisky played against, against Minnesota. Um, but regardless, uh, the defenses that they faced uh, have done great work. 2.63 sacks on average. 5.13 quarterback hits against Trubisky um, and a half turnover per game. And then all the while, Chicago's averaging just a little over 16 points per game since that switch was made. So I think overall, you're looking at a scenario where the Bengals should hypothetically have a pretty high floor because uh, I can't imagine Chicago going nuclear on them um, yeah. from a from a scoring standpoint. Uh, so they should have a high floor, but I think the ceiling is there too. I mean the Bears the Bears are just not trying to score points. They're horrendous. It's it's one of the worst one of the worst offenses that I've I've seen in a really long time. I I think this is a situation where like, you know, I made the mistake last year of just writing off Jared Goff because a lot of times you do get a good idea of how good a quarterback is through, you know, a half season sample. Um, you know, just in terms of that of course they're going to progress, but I just mean in terms of progressing to like a superstar. Uh but I think this is a similar situation to Jared Goff last year where 
you can't really truly evaluate everything with Mitch Trubisky given yeah. his circumstances. No, you you have no idea how good he could be or how bad he could be if he was in a in an offense that was that was intentionally trying to score points. And and you watch them and they're not. It's yeah. it's just amazing. It's actually really comparable when you think about it. I mean, Goff last yeah. season didn't have any sort of weapons. Trubisky has no weapons. They both have a have a decent running back in that backfield mm-hmm. uh, that that you would think would be able to. Uh, do something if running backs really matter as much as people think that they do at the NFL level. Um, and then they have John Fox versus Jeff Fisher. I mean, it's it's like it's a very interesting parallel. Yes, it is. Um, all right. Well, I have the Dallas defense. I'm I'm going to talk about them. They're playing the Giants. It's in New York. Um, Dallas is a five point favorite, which is kind of amazing if you think about it. Yeah, I know. but um, uh, the Dallas defense is available in 87 percent of leagues. Um, turns out that uh, defenses against the Giants have a really solid floor, but basically no ceiling, which is fine, which is fine for for streaming purposes and for our brand, hashtag brand purposes. Um, So uh, eight of the 10, let's see, eight of the last 10 defenses that have faced the Giants have scored at least eight fantasy points. Uh, the The Giants, like I said, they profile as a good floor type opponent. Uh, not because they give up a, a ton of, of sacks or turnovers, but because they just don't score points. Only Cleveland has fewer points than the the Giants this year. Um, I was I was kind of shocked to see that the Giants quarterbacks uh, uh, Eli Manning and Geno Smith have combined for eight picks all year. How yeah. is that? I I I was stunned. I had to look at that three times. Yeah. Uh, I did one of those cartoon, you know, eyes bulging out of the head yeah, right, right. Uh, thing, looking at the computer screen, because every time I turn, every time I accidentally turn on a Giants game, they're throwing a pig. I thought I felt like anyway. Um, but you know, one thing that we we do want is a a quarterback in a negative game script who has been inaccurate and. Uh, in uh, six of his last seven games, Eli Manning, who is, by the way, back in the uh, uh, starter seat for for the Giants, uh, six of the past seven games, he has had a completion rate of less than 60%. And uh, the last two, his last two starts, he had 54% completion rate and a 48% completion rate. Um, so maybe we could get a couple of interceptions here if you stream the Dallas defense. Um, do you know anything about Sean Lee's uh, status? I don't. I I'm assuming that I'm assuming the worst, um, but yeah. it would be great if he played. Right. Yeah. I think that you give you give da- Dallas defense a, a significant bump if he's in. Um, but I I certainly think that they're they're fine for you know seven eight points somewhere in there. Uh, j- just because, like I said, the Giants just don't score points. I should correct myself because I just looked it up, and Sean Lee looks like will be back next week. Oh, so well, there you this go. Week. So that's very, very big. Um, the last team I want to just quickly talk about the bills, their four point f- favorites against Indianapolis at home. Um, there's no, uh, game total on this because they don't know who the quarterback's going to be for Buffalo. Um, I think I, I would be surprised if Tyrod's out on the field though. Um, but regardless, you know, I still don't think Buffalo is a bad option. Uh, you know, they haven't been all been that great by any means, but Indianapolis has allowed an average of 5.3 sacks per game over their last six games. 5.3 mm-hmm. sacks per game, guys. Uh, and with, with each of those teams getting three sacks, and only the Steelers over this time have ranked worse than defense eight in a given week. Wow. So they're, they're I mean, any, I mean, Indianapolis has basically become the Browns in terms of, of 
targeting them and the opposing defense. So, I mean, I think that a lot of people are going to say, should I play Green Bay this week? Should I play the Jets this week? The Jets are playing Denver. Um, I like Buffalo, I think, a little bit more than both of them. Uh, Green, you know, it's not like you have a, a scenario where those defenses are spectacularly great, but the but the Bills are at home, and I think that's a big difference for for Green Bay and New York is that those two teams aren't at home. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the Jets. I have to look into it a little more. But... Yeah, I mean, the Broncos are a dumpster fire. I think part of last week, um, part of last week was you know Simeon's starting for the first time in a little while. There was a flu that was going around in that locker room. I don't know really? if that, yeah, I don't know if that played a, a major role, but I know that like Devonte Booker only played fifteen percent of the team snaps because he was sick. Um, oh right. So I, you know, I don't know how big of a, a factor that was, um, but I, I still, I'm not really like super high on the Jets because they're not good defensively. Right. Exactly. As we saw last week in yeah. that explosion. Yeah. Um, at quarterback, I'll start things off. Uh, speaking of the the Packers, I I like Deshaun Kaiser this week going up against them. It's definitely not comfortable, um, but the Packers have the seventh worst adjusted net yards per attempt allowed this season. They've surrendered the seventh most yards uh, cumulatively in the league and number fires metrics peg them as a seventh worst secondary when adjusted for strength of schedule. So they're a bottom seven secondary, according to basically every metric. Uh, Kaiser gets Josh has Josh Gordon back. Now the Browns are at home and green Bay is only a three point favorite. So you could see a fairly neutral script. I'm going to say it right now. I think the Browns win this game first. Wow. I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I think the Browns That's- think that they're going to win this game straight up against the Packers. So is this going to be the 100-yard Josh Gordon game or the 200-yard Josh I th- Gordon? Dude, game? Josh Gordon could go absolutely ham this week. Uh, and the yeah. other thing I want to say about Kaiser is that it's not like he's incapable of having a usable fantasy performance. Uh, he has the worst <laughs> he has the worst adjusted net yards per attempt in the NFL this year, the worst quarterback rating in the NFL this year. He's been the worst passer in the entire league this year, but he's also been a top 12 quarterback in three of his last five starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with his rushing. So if you think about that, if he has some sort of baseline with his rushing ability, uh, and then you give him that great matchup, um, I, I think that's that's fantastic. I mean, he, he he wasn't good by any means against against the Chargers, but it was it was nice to see number one them pepper Josh Gordon because Josh Gordon's so good. Um, but that's that's doing that against arguably the league's best secondary or, or one of them. I shouldn't say because Jacksonville's there, one of the league's best secondaries. Um, I, I think that Deshaun Kaiser is very, very intriguing this week. I don't think he has a safe floor by any means, but I do think his ceiling is interesting because he can get those rushing yards. Yeah. Well, I mean, we I think we recommended him a couple times this year where he he, he gave a, a decent floor. Yeah, like so. Indy, I think, was one maybe. Yeah, there, yeah. there, were, there were sometimes. Uh, all right, Denny. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, we, we have some, right. some Deshaun Kaiser. I'm going to talk about the most handsome quarterback in the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I mean, he, he really is just tremendously handsome. Yeah, just, un- unbelievably handsome. It's not just it's, for the record. And, and it's like, it's like easy handsome. It's not like he puts a lot of effort right. into he's like, got like his, the, he's got like the natural tan and yeah. he's got like great hair. He's got right. like perfect eyebrows and jaw structure and like, it's just, everything's working for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. You took the words right out of my, out of my mouth. I mean, the jaw, the jaw looks like. Uh, you 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 know it's first of all it's chiseled out of stone. You, right, you could punch right. it and your your knuckles would break. Right. Um. And, and secondly, what I was gonna, what I was gonna say is he doesn't try like his hair is just like just like how it is. Like he doesn't put yeah, any right. product in it, whatever. Uh. He he doesn't have like a like a trim beard or anything. It's just it's just there. Right. Anyway. All right. Let's talk about him. So he's available in eighty five percent of leagues. I know 
he's not available in your league. Uh, I know he was. <laughs> I I know he was drafted in the eleventh round in your league. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, uh, so uh, last last week he completed seventy percent of his passes on his way to two hundred and ninety three yards without a touchdown. But but and this is a big but. Like my butt. Uh, the Niners uh, couldn't punch it in despite reaching the red zone five times yeah. against the Bears. Um, and so he plays against uh, uh, Houston, which is a team that I know we've targeted over and over again. Uh, Houston has allowed the 11th most passing yards this year, and only two teams allow more yards per attempt uh, along. And, and also Houston gives up the fourth most yards per completion. Uh, no team, and I have that. I have that in all caps. No team uh, gives up more uh, adjusted fantasy points to quarterbacks than Houston, uh, who, lest we forget, gave up almost 20 fantasy points to both Blaine Gabbert and Jagot B. Brissett. Yeah. So they've 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 given they've given up tons of points to uh, borderline quarterbacks before. I I really after looking into I I was kind of skeptical but I look you know, after looking into it, I I like Jimmy G. My my best call of the entire season was saying that it was Robbie Gold's day. Oh my god, I was so jealous. You don't understand how <laughs> jealous I was. Because here's the thing, when I was writing my my kicker article on on Tuesday, I I was looking hard at Gold and I was like, "Oh god, I really want to the Bears are giving up field goal attempts and, you know, Garoppolo might be a functional quarterback." And I didn't write him up. I did not write him up. And then you mentioned it, and I was like, "Oh man, like I wanted to succeed because JJ called it, but I also don't want it to succeed because I didn't call it." <laughs> it was a, it was just a random. I, I like it like popped in my head at like eight thirty in the morning on Sunday that it was a Robbie Gold revenge day, and so I was like happy. I just tweeted like happy Robbie Gold day, y'all, or something like that, and then he just goes off. That, that's right. That's right. And and my I, I hope my attorneys contacted you to talk about, uh, you know, uh, where you're not allowed to talk about kickers on Sundays. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's on me. But um, but that is a good call. And um, I may not get over it for another like six weeks. I understand. Understand. Uh, the last quarterback, I think, has the highest floor. Um, Probably of all three, I think you could argue. Maybe Jimmy G has a better floor. Uh, but I, I like Blaine Gabbard a lot this week against Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee ranks as a pretty average team in terms of fantasy points against. Um, but at the same time, they faced really, really bad quarterbacks. When you adjust for strength of opponent, number fires metrics have the Tennessee Titans defense as the uh, secondary as the third worst one in the entire NFL. Um, they are definitely beatable. If you go look at their, of who they faced, it's, it's laughable. And then the, the quarterbacks that are actually decent, that that have faced them, they've gone at, they've just gone ham. I'm not calling Blaine Gabbert decent, but I'm just saying that this is a, an instance where looking at fantasy points against is really not going to do enough justice. But they're at home, that's good. Uh, they're three point underdogs. Again, it's not to me the biggest deal in the world. That's good for a neutral script. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Blaine Gabbert in two of his three games has given you 17 plus fantasy points. Uh, two of his three starts. Last week was a tough game for him. I mean, it was in in the division. The Rams defense is good. Um, it's not an easy game for, for Blaine Gabbert by any means. Remember, he tore up the, the Jacksonville defense uh, a couple, oh. couple weeks ago. Tore up in terms of fantasy, at least. How crazy is that? Man? Yeah, I, I, I think Blaine Gabbert's fine this week. Um, put that in my, my tombstone. <laughs> I, think, I think he's fine. I mean, the, I'm, I'm embracing the idea of Gabbert yes, more so. Yes, yes. Um, all right, Denny, let's talk tight ends. We have four of them this week, yes. which is good because it's hard to find tight ends this time of year. 
Uh, but go ahead and talk about him. I will talk about Ricky Seals Jones, who I believe is making his Living the Stream debut. This he is. Week. He is. Um, I, I I have to say I hate I I'm I'm just throwing it out there before you say this analysis. I I love players like Ricky Seals Jones as prospects, but I hate guys who perform like this on like six snaps. Right, and that's the issue. That's just, I mean just to get it out there. He is not playing very much. Right. Um, he's not running very very many routes. He's not in the game hardly at all. Uh, the thing is, and we, we were talking about this with with uh, Rich Rebar. Um, when he is in the game, he's clearly a part of the uh, you know part of the offense and b part of the uh, progression of of the quarterback of Blaine Gabbert in this case. Uh, so he is involved when he's in the game. It's just not that often. Um, his, his target numbers are, are not hateful, uh, you know, as, as far as tight ends go, uh, over the last three games, he has uh, five, six and five targets. That's my locker combo for this week. <laughs> and, um, while, uh, uh, Jermaine Gresham's targets over that span are one, three and three. Uh, so it's not like Gresham is completely out of the, the mix, but, it's clearly leaning uh, RSJ's way. We have, yeah. to, we have to, we have to, you know, make the difference here between RSJ and ASJ. Yes. Um, uh, the matchup here is pretty good, pretty not terrible, I would say. Uh, only seven teams allow more tight end receptions than the Titans, uh, who have seen tight ends catch 42 passes against them over the past seven weeks. That is hashtag a lot. And uh, Tennessee, <clears throat> Tennessee gives up 13.1 schedule adjusted. Fantasy points to tight ends, which is not all that bad. So uh, I don't really know where he's going to fall in in the ranking, you know, of of I know we don't do official rankings of streamers, but in the preference, I guess, of streamers. Um, but I, I don't hate him. I mean, the matchup is like sneaky great here. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I, I, I had him in 15 transactions a couple weeks ago more as an ad if he starts to see more snaps. And if he gradually continues to see more and more snaps, uh, he could be really fun down the stretch. It's just it's just tough to just, like, in the playoffs, just buy into a guy who's still not seeing a ton of looks, just generally. But I, I agree. I mean, the matchup's there. Um, he's being utilized when he's on the field. And he's a, he's a really interesting prospect. There's a lot of guys who were ex-receivers playing tight end. I love those players. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, right. Well, this is perfect. Uh, this is the the perfect takes from from you and me right here on a guy uh, like RSJ. Uh, you have cautious optimism, and I'm just frothing at the mouth. Yeah, so right, it, right. It, it, That's pretty much how it goes. Right, right. Um, I want to talk about uh, even though he's owned in more leagues uh, than uh, people are going to get mad because we're not really considering him like a, a a deep streamer. But it's Austin Safarian Jenkins. He's been dropped a little bit. In some leagues, he hasn't really performed a whole lot since week six. He's finished higher than 14th in weekly tight end scoring just once since week six in PPR formats. But oddly enough, guys, over this span, he's run the ninth most routes, according to Pro Football Focus, at the tight end position. So he's still getting out there. He's still doing things. Um, Over the last two weeks as well, where he's scored a combined 7.4 PPR points, he's faced two top seven defenses at stopping the tight end. Um, in terms of fantasy points allowed. So he's had some tough matchups. Uh, I love him this week. Uh, He's going up against Denver, a defense that surrendered the second most fantasy points to that tight end position. Akib Tlaib is back. uh, So that could be big for Mm -hmm. for forcing the ball to ASJ. 
Um, I, I, I think ASJ is a, is a tight end one this week, a top 12 tight end, um, which is why I'm, I'm bringing him up on this show because if he is on your waiver wire and you have someone that is questionable, I think that you can play ASJ over that guy. And remember, ASJ has had 14 uh, touchdowns overturned on review yeah, this week. Right. So, it might, it might I mean, honestly be 15 at this point. Yeah, right. And so we're talking about he would be the tight end one if he just got some luck in the end zone. Right, right. That's not true. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, my second streamer is Trey Burton from Philadelphia, but only if Zach Ertz is out. And at the at this moment, uh, we can report, I'm putting my finger in my ear right now, I, I, like, a, like a newscaster. Mm-hmm. We can report that Ertz is, well, he's he's a maybe. So um, uh, so Burton, uh, if Ertz is out, has a pretty decent match. Well, actually, no. I want to go through this first. <laughs> I was looking at, I was looking at RSJ's paragraph. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, Burton has had good opportunity when Ertz is out uh, against Denver uh, a few weeks ago when Ertz missed that game, Burton had four targets that, which he turned into two catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. And last week against Seattle, when Ertz was hurt uh, fairly early in the game, uh, Burton saw seven targets and caught four, four of those passes for 42 yards. Um, So this is mostly based on usage and uh, potential volume because the matchup is not good. Uh, LA gives up the sixth fewest adjusted points to tight ends. Um, and uh, you just look down the line and, and they're pretty much at near the bottom on, 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 you know, tight end receptions, tight end touchdowns, tight end targets uh, uh, against them. Um, so Burton doesn't have the matchup, but um, I feel like, you know, because of the volume, he's, he's definitely a safer play than than a guy like seals jones let's just say yeah that. yeah uh the last guy to talk about is steven anderson we have all these like freak like wide yes. receiver tight end hybrids it's so fun yeah. i love it um but anderson had his first big performance of the year in week 13 he had five catches 12 targets 79 yards a touchdown he ended up playing 84 percent of the texan snaps which is a season high and the reason for that is because cj fedorowitz and braxton miller both were concussed in that game, uh, Bruce Ellington left the game with a hamstring injury and Will Fuller was already out. So if you guys mm. saw that Andre Ellington had a bunch of targets, it's because he was playing wide receiver for, for the, the Texans. I actually read that Andre Ellington was getting routes from Tom Savage in the huddle before he would go out after they broke the huddle. Wait, because, because you mean Ellington or Anderson? On, Andre Ellington, because they signed Andre Ellington. Oh, oh, oh right. Okay. So I know yeah. that there's Bruce Ellington there, too. They, they signed Andre Ellington, okay. um, and he's new to the team, so he's not going to know everything in the playbook, but they had to throw him on the field because they ran out of wide receivers. Man, so, that's crazy. So, uh, Stephen, it sounds like each of those each of those guys, Will Fuller might be back, um, but each of those players could be out this week, which would basically be DeAndre Hopkins and Stephen Anderson. Um so I don't really care about the matchup, to be honest. If he's going to see volume, he's going to see volume. Um, I, I think that he's a good play this week, as long as a lot of those guys are sidelined. Yes, I, I'm, in, I'm into him. I mean, he could see a lot of volume in that game. Yeah. Uh, so just to recap, it's Steven Anderson, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Ricky Seals-Jones, Trey Burton at tight end, Blink Abbott, Deshaun Kaiser, and Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And on defense, you got the Bengals, the Bills, and the Cowboys. All right, Denny. Twitter, All right. Twitter time. This Let's first one is from at Tom C. Whalen, our buddy Tom. I, so people yeah. people have said on the Facebook page, 
uh, the Living the Stream Facebook page. There's a, there's a group that you guys can join if you want to. There's some fun commentary in there. Um, but uh, people said that when you say our buddy, or when I say our buddy, it's like that they've officially made it within the the Living the Stream inner circle. Um, but Tom Tom is our buddy. Tom's an, an awesome yeah. guy. Um, yes. By the way, did you see my tweet last night uh, of the video of John Gruden mispronouncing every single name? On, on the, I did. He said he said he said you got Antonio Bryant lined up here. You got Juju Schuster Smith in the slot. And then you got Martavis. He said Martavis Bryant correctly. He actually didn't say uh, Martavius like many people do. But I, right. I, retw- I, qu- I, I tweeted it out and I said this is like how I read Twitter handles. <laughs> well, t- hey, Twitter handles are tough. When uh, the Halloween episode where I had to do it, that was that was hard. Right? I, I, I do not envy your your job there. Um, but by the way, I say Antonio Bryant all the time. I don't know why. It's Interesting. crazy. Interesting. Uh, but Tom says it's time for some cornhole game theory, assuming a neutral game script. Do you aim for the hole or for the board at large? That's his first question. Well, I mean, it really depends on, on the, on the situ on the scoring situation. But he's in, he's in, in a neutral game script though. New, neutral. Is, script, is neutral? All right. All right. Fine. It's, it's zero, zero. Oh, I'm going for the hole, man. Okay. It's, it's, uh, 12, 12. I'm um, I'm hedging a little. I'm I'm mostly going for the hole until about sixteen or seventeen. Okay. Um. All right. I have to say that I appreciate Tom's uh game theory uh reference here, re- referencing uh, the the great Eric Garland's game theory tweets from like from like ten months ago, which still goes down in Twitter history as some of the craziest tweets of all time. But um. Uh, I I think I'm pretty aggressive in cornhole. Yeah, I, I I mean that's that's how you approach games in general. Uh, but he he also says when throwing, do you hold the cornhole bags with your palm up or down? I I, I thought about that. Me and too. I don't know about you. I feel like only a maniac would go down. <laughs> yeah, like how do you throw palm down? Well, I've seen like people, a disc. Yeah, no, no, no. Like like this. Can you see me? Can look like this. Oh, I oh I do that. Oh, you do that? Yeah, I do that. I, I, so, so the way that I hold the cornhole bag is the correct way. And you, you take, you take a corner. Okay, so you have the square. You take a corner and you put it in between your pointer finger and your middle finger. Okay, uh-huh. and the rest of the bag is kind of just gently in your hand. Then, so only the one corner is popping out of your hand. And then whenever you toss it, you just kind of flick your wrist. It, is that is that really is that like how they teach it in cornhole I have university? No, how, I, I mean, I played a lot of cornhole in my day, but I I hold it between my four my pointer finger and my thumb. That's that's that feels like it's there's like a there. See, I do it I do it with between my finger my pointer finger and my middle finger because when it slides off your hand, then you you get more you can you can direct it easier. I feel like you have no control doing that. I'm I'm imagining maybe I just have that. really sweaty hands. Oh, it just slips, slips off really easily. Perhaps uh, my favorite technique is when people uh, think that they can just hit the board and it'll stay. Yeah. Like they, they they have no finesse. They have no you know they don't put any loft on it. Right. They're just like bang right on the board and it flips off. And they're like, what do you do? What can I do? Well, you need to not you know you need to not chuck it as hard as you can at the board. Yeah, the bottom line that we're both what we're both describing here is that you need some sort of uh um way to hold the the bag where there's rotation. 
Yes, you, you, need you, need, you need rotation with the bag. And the way that I get my rotation is by holding that corner so that when I fling it, it automatically is rotating back and forth. So I guess technically my, my palm is down until the release. The release, it's obviously up because it would be very weird to to throw like underhand like that, like a, yeah. like a, like a slow pitch softball. Right. Well, I, I, uh, like, like the many generations of Carters before me, my hand, my palm is up. It's like the, 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 the throwing the ball with your palm down reminds me of the movie rookie of the year. You remember oh. that when at the end yeah. float it or whatever she says to, yeah, to Henry yeah, Rowan Gardner. And then he just like tosses it like underhand, but Damn, man, you remember that guy's name, that kid's Dude, name? Dude, I, I remember every stupid 90s reference. Rowan Gardner? I remember, like, I, 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 we've talked about this on the show. I, I know, and my friends hate it. I know, because I'm obnoxious with it. I know every single 90s television jingle. Like, to every board game that ever existed, I remember the jingle for it. Well, that's why that's why we started this show way back in the day yes. with ninety with '90s jingles yes. as our theme. Yes, that's exactly why. Because it's like my it's like my thing. I'm only good at one thing in this world, and it's that. It's it's remembering those jingles. That's the only thing that I'm good at, and I, that's, that's the only thing that I will be arrogant about too. Yeah, well, or or, you or try be try try to be arrogant about like like forcefully arrogant about it. Yo, do you think there's anybody listening who remembers us? us you doing the the 90s jingles if you do if you guys truly truly remember and i don't mean like going back and listening to the first episode i remember the first episode i i introed it by saying like um welcome to the first episode of living the stream <laughs> like there was no g in it because we were super cool that's a that's a sarah palin there no <laughs> no g's on anything yeah. so ridiculous we were also terrible at podcasting then and we're terrible at podcasting now we're slightly less terrible but anyway slightly uh, next one at Ryan underscore Davis eight. What are your takes on the whereabouts of Kelly and Jesse during the Tory episodes of Saved by the Bell? Were you, did you watch Saved by the Bell? Yeah, but you know what? I feel like I'm out of my depth with this question, with this crazy question. Really? So Tory Tory came at the end. I think it was the last season, and Jesse and Kelly just completely oh. left. I'm my theory has always been that Jesse uh, her caffeine pill addiction was just too much, and she had to had to go to rehab or something for the caffeine pill addiction <laughs> for caffeine. Is, yeah. Is, yeah. Is that, is that a thing? I, uh, I would suspect that, uh, who, who disappeared now? Jesse, Jesse and, Jesse and Kelly Kapowski, Jesse and Kelly. I think that they disappeared into the black lodge and twin peaks fans will know what I'm saying. Oh, huh, okay. Okay. Where they entered the upside down. Yeah, uh, yeah. next one same, at Kremson six, eight, seven. How do you guys sign off the pod after you have recorded formal goodbyes? Discuss what could have been better. Abrupt hang up. I'll let you answer this one. It's it's usually just like some cursing and then and then we right, and then I right. slam the computer shut. A lot of screaming. I mean, during the show, it's kind of like uh, the, what was reported be, the relationship between Mike and Mike on ESPN uh, a couple years like like before it all like because didn't they just end that show? I don't pay yeah. attention to that really. Yes, they they did, but wait, I didn't hear about the. the didn't secret. they have? Didn't they have like some argument or something a couple years ago? And that's kind of like like their relationship wasn't the same, but they put on a face during the show like they were best buds. Oh, get out! I didn't know that. I could that be com- look, look. You guys are listening to this, and you're gonna be like, "This is completely made up," and it might be completely made up. But I'm pretty sure I read something about it where like they. They just didn't have like like a real because back in the day I think they were like besties and they like would like yeah. do things with their fam like their families would do stuff together. 
Um, I, but then yeah. I think that the relationship kind of just went to hell. But for, for Denny and I, we kind of approach it the same way. We, uh, we do this podcast and afterwards I, I yell at him for every wrong thing that he said. He yells at me for reading the Twitter handles wrong for, right. for stuttering for any, any time that I stutter. Um, he, he gets mad at me about it. Uh, yeah, right. I, I, two weeks ago, I screamed at you for, uh, interrupting me in the middle of a, of a monologue. And I was like, bro, right. this is my art. Right. Leave me alone. Right. Let me speak. Yeah. I mean, realistically guys, it's the, uh, what we had talked about. I remember the podcast like a month ago where people said like, how do you hang up the phone? Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, all right, man. All right. Okay. All right. Yep. Uh, cool. oh, yep. Bye. And uh, that, see, that, that's uh, where yeah. we learned that Denny says bye-bye. He's one of the bye-bye yeah. people. I'm like, bye-bye. Oh, wait. Did you say something? I'm I'm sorry. But, yeah. I, well, I, actually, we want to get the the pot out to the people as quickly as humanly possible. So, uh, really, it's like three seconds after the pot. Yeah. We're like, all right, man. See ya. It is. It really is. Next one at JRNFL. Uh, JJ mentions he goes out to lunch some uh, lunch some due to working at home. Oh, goes out out for lunch some due to working at home. Uh, in a dynasty lunch draft, which restaurant is 1.01 for long term success considering food quality, people, ambiance, etc. Um, I'm a big uh, I'm a big grocery store guy at lunch. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go out there and say it because you get a large variety. Denny's giving me this face like I'm the I'm the largest idiot in the, on the planet. But wait, I'm sorry, but but he talks about. I think he's talking about a restaurant. Yeah, I know he is, but I'm telling him what I do for actual. When I go out to lunch, I'm not going out to lunch to sit down and eat alone. I'm going to lunch to get food and just get out of the house, and then I come home and I eat in front of my computer and work while I'm eating. Oh, that's that. Yeah, that that that's not good. Come on, come on. That's they, just you, the you, truth. I'm not going to Burger King and sitting in the in the. No. I'm not talking about Burger King. I mean, just like, I don't know, like a like a casual place. I mean, you got to take yourself away from the computer once in a while. I don't think that I, I have been working from home for Number Fire for over four years, like like four and a half years, which is crazy to think about. But since that time, I've met people randomly for lunch, not very often because it's not I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the, in a different area than people work. I'll meet them for lunch, but I have never once just gone out to lunch and sat down alone. Uh, well, I, I definitely have. And, and it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not just because my wife left me. It's, uh, to clear your uh, head. So where do I, you go then? I, um, I mean, I'll go, I, I'm going to get so much crap for this. No, I want to, we the world needs to hear it. I sometimes go to Chipotle, okay? Chipotle's All right. good. There's nothing wrong with Chipotle. No, no. It, there's something wrong with Chipotle in that uh, people get violently ill at Chipotle and they have shut down entire Chipotle stores because they keep poisoning people. So, But I keep coming back because I like it, okay? Chipotle tastes good, Denny. It's, it's a fine take. I guarantee you 85 plus percent of people listening to this podcast enjoy Chipotle. And and I know it's the I know I'm gonna get like well you should get like real Mexican food and yeah I should I should but I don't there's nothing more convenient than Chipotle and it's very fast and it's just there it's a reasonable price all right leave me alone I'm tired of being on defense here I, you're you're shook right now and I'm I'm not sure why I I, I know I no I'm 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 shook because I can hear the voice of the people in my head saying. Uh, Chipotle, you're disgusting. Yeah, whatever. And, and, whatever, man. Yeah. 
people people and don't. I need I I think I need I need therapy for for that. Uh next one at the Rhea the real John Cius. Cius maybe. Best WWE finishing move. The Tombstone Pile Driver, the Stone Cold Stunner, Sweet Chin Music or Gronky Drop. Mm. Oh, was that? Is that I a, was a reference? To... Reference. How ridiculous was that hit by Gronk? It's like dis- it's like disgraceful. I mean, I-, I the fact that he has that big old metal thing on his arm because he kept breaking his freaking arm uh, um, a few years back, and he used that like intentionally on on the, on this dude on this poor guy who 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 didn't even see it coming. You know, he was just on the ground. I mean, it's just I, I it's it's like infuriating. Uh, and, and the fact that he has defenders is just so much worse. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm really I, I can't believe, too, that he only gets one game and oh. someone like Juju, who it was in the I mean, sure, it was messed up, but it was in, in the middle of the game. Um, I, I don't see how he doesn't get more than or at least it, give him two games and let him appeal, right? Like it's just crazy to me they only got one. But again, they're playing the Steelers in two weeks, so the the difference the, the difference is that uh Juju's Juju's was in the context of an actual play. A play was happening. Right. Huge difference. Okay, and Gronk well after the play, because he was pissed off that he just got owned by this guy, um uh, drops the elbow on him. Hey, the fact that he's not suspended for the remainder, not just for the regular season, but the entire season, postseason, Super Bowl, whatever, is it, just a huge. Uh, I, I'm I'm just stunned. I'm just stunned that he's not that he didn't get a big a bigger penalty. I feel like anybody else would have would have been uh, suspended for the rest of the year. This next one is at Ethan underscore Harwood. Who do you each think makes the Super Bowl this season and which team wins? I'm guessing Saints, Pats, Advantage, New England. Thanks for all the solid advice this season. I want to throw it out there, Denny. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but you know this. But in February, I put I uh, I bet the Saints at plus 6,600 to win the Super Bowl. So yeah. I, I, need, I need the Saints to win the Super Bowl. Yes. I need I can, it. I can confirm that JJ did that. And then when the season started and the saints looked like garbage and like, you know, Adrian Peterson's like barking at the coaches on the sidelines. I was like, Oh, well he had good run JJ. Like, well, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Cause the two teams that I really liked going into the season, I wrote about it too on number fire back in like March when the, or after the super bowl, when the, when the odds came out. Uh, but the two teams that I really liked going into the season were the chargers and the saints. And those were two teams that I was like, that I could see that I put futures on, um, and the Chargers were 0-4 and, and the Saints were 0-2, uh, but they've definitely kind of flipped flipped spots. Who do, who do you think is going to actually make it? I think the Patriots are a lock in the AFC. I just, who can beat them? I don't know. Right. No, I mean, no, the, the Steelers are a horrible matchup against them. I think I think that if a team beats New England, it is Los Angeles because they, yes. they match up better against them. Uh, they're, yeah. they're good. They're a strong team. I, I think that's the team who could hypothetically beat New England. I don't think the Steelers can. Um, the NFC is really fun, though. I mean, I feel I, I I mean, the Eagles are a team we should be talking about, obviously. Um, but I feel like with jailbreak, Russell Wilson, that the Seahawks kind of have. They could. They could. Even a, even a with shot, the, like, yeah, even with the banged up D. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just I love first of all, I love that he has to do everything for that yes, team. It's, amazing. it's just 
it's like the greatest thing to watch. But, um, but that, I guess I mean the Saints are probably the chalk right now, right? They're probably. I mean, they're at least cl- they're 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 going to be top three. I would assume you got the Eagles. People probably still like the Rams a bit. Um, I don't think the Rams are going to. I don't think they're they're going to do it. But I I like what McVay is doing. Obviously, I think the Saints are in an unbelievable spot. I mean, they have what it takes to to do it. Um, it's just a matter of variance. But I I think that they're to me that would be my favorite in the NFC. Well- uh, the narrative says that Brady will begin and end his career with a Super Bowl victory over the Rams. So yeah, okay, we'll see about that. Okay. Uh, next one at Eric Belair, Dak or the streamers this week? So Dak gets the G men. it's hard to tough to, to trust Dak right now. I know, I know. Like I, I don't think that you can play Dak. Like what? He's been awful the last three games. It's not. Guys, it has nothing to do with Ezekiel Elliott. I know that people are going to think that, or people are yeah. going to, and they're thinking that I'm just defending this take. Alfred Morris, go look at the numbers. Go look at Matt Harmon did a, a great article using next gen stats talking about Alfred Morris versus Ezekiel Elliott. There has not been a drop off in rushing production on that team. Dak just is lost. Dak has looked awful. Um, part of that is the wide receiver separation, etc. But yeah, I, I think I, I think that I would play Blaine Gabbert. And probably Jimmy G over Dak this week. I was gonna say I think you play. I think you play those guys over over Dak. But you know it's it's hard like from an emotional level because you're you're invested in being like Dak's. You know Dak's my guy. Like he's he yeah. he got he got me here wherever here is. Although actually, if you stuck with him through this rough patch, you may not be anywhere. Yeah, I that's mean, what you... happened in the Living the Stream League for me. I had to switch things up, and then I used Tyrod this past week. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, this next one is at Chris Allen FFWX. How much time do you guys develop content versus creating and searching for good gifts and memes to use on Twitter? So wait, create, you mean for the show? Like, or, or just in general, I mean, I, I'll tell you that the ratio of finding the right GIF to creating actual content, uh, is 99% to 1% for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the, the GIF stuff is very important. I, and in fact, I, I find myself, you know, being a horrible father sometimes and actually like hiding in a corner while I search for gifts yeah. where I'm like, I need the perfect David Bowie gift before Xavier <laughs> asks me what's for dinner or if he can have dessert. Oh, I think I found it. Wait. And then he says something. And I'm like, Xavier, I'm busy. Right. Daddy's working. Right. That's work. It's work. Uh, this next one at this one blew my mind at a leds 77. Are you a sociopath? If you go sock to shoe, sock to shoe instead of only the only legitimate way of sock, sock, shoe, shoe. I would be frightened of someone who does the sock, shoe, sock, shoe. I, I, would, I would run away from that human. Yeah. I would sprint. You would see me running like Ben Roethlisberger did on that read option oh. last night. Oh, my God. That guy is so large. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, my God. Wait, yeah, no, but I, I definitely... I Oh, I, I meant to say, on the Facebook Living the Stream page, there was a discussion about wearing socks in bed, okay? I have a complicated relationship with this question because the heat in my house is fine except for the upstairs, okay? Um, They say heat rises, but obviously the laws of science don't apply to my house, and the upstairs is is cold AF. So uh, there are are some nights in the winter where my, my toes are freaking freezing. And I need socks or I cannot sleep because my toes are numb. So, yes, 
sometimes I wear socks to bed. Sue me, okay? I sometimes Bring a lawsuit look against. Me. I sometimes do too, and it has nothing to do with with that. I have no consistency. I, I mean, I'm I would say I'm ninety five percent no sock, but there are just random days where I sock it up in bed. Sock it up. <laughs> sounds a little sounds a little sexual. Sock it up in bed. Yeah, get hide the children. First of all, <laughs> shut down this podcast right now. <laughs> We have violated some term of agreement. Um, uh, one time I was I did this on a on a cold winter's night, and um, I woke up um, with a sock on my face. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I somehow had taken it off and it ended up on my face. It was I was horrified. I woke up and immediately jumped out the window. Interesting. Uh, just a couple more. It's a uh, uh, next one at Kr Morency. Secret Santa or White Elephant. What's white elephant again? White elephant's where you can steal the gift. You you each get a number. Oh, no. That's just a mean-spirited game. That's a terrible game. Oh, I would go white elephant, Benny. I I don't know. The, the Office episode about white <laughs> elephant is pretty much how I feel about it. Like, I feel you. Like, it brings out the worst. The, it brings out the absolute worst in people. It so does. I'm, it does. But you need to do it in a way where like the gifts aren't so serious. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That right. that's what you that's what you really that's that's when it's that's when it's a good time. I'm gonna yes. go I'm gonna go white elephant. I, I'm I'm leaning Secret Santa because I want people uh to get to to just get along pretty much, especially this time of year. Can't we just all get along? Wow, go what ahead. a what a what a nice, honest take from Denny Carter. Yeah, I this is the most genuine that you'll ever see me. I I, I have the urge to make a, a, a horribly cynical joke right now. Well, the last one is from Tom Everett Scott, uh, at Tom E. Scott. He just says, just want to say what a bang-up job you kids are doing with the podcast this year. Never miss an episode. Made the playoffs in five of six leagues. Thank you and have a Merry Christmas. I got to add, got to add, we did talk about Tom at the start of the show um, and how he's he's crushing the Living the Stream League. I'm in a league with Tom and some other Hollywood folks who are writers and whatnot, and Chris Harris uh, from, you know, formerly ESPN, Chris Harris, and um, uh, Roto Pat's in it. And it's a, it's a, a six-keeper league, and it's fun. It's a cool league. Um, and it's really fun. There's great people in it. Tom, if he wins his first matchup, he will face me in round two. Nice. So it'll be a, a, good, a good fun yeah. battle. The last time Tom and I went up against each other, was a couple weeks ago in the Living the Stream League, and we had a beer chug bet on it, and I lost, and I sent him a video of chugging a beer. I, so I, we're I gonna have, have to. Do... I may have seen that. I can confirm to the people that I saw that video. So yes, it it existed. Um, but I'm gonna have to repay the favor and have Tom do that to me. I have to say, I appreciate Tom completely bucking the brand of LTS and winning our or our, our, uh, dominating. The LTS league so far with Tom Brady at quarterback. I I, I just I want to say yes. A good job with owning us online. That, yes, that makes me feel good. I, I I should say too. Do you remember the the neighborhood league and how uh, one dude took Tom Brady first overall? I do remember he that. He yeah. did not make the playoffs. I I am I just fell out fell out of my seat. Stunned, stunned, stunning. All right, Denny. Uh, do you have any kicker takes for this episode or no? Oh my gosh, I do. Thanks for reminding me. Gosh. The people get so while mad. Denny's while Denny's finding the kicker takes, I'm going to let you guys know that you can find me at late round QB on Twitter and all my work over on numberfire.com. Denny, give us the kicker takes. All right. If you have Steven Butker slash Goatker, you're starting him this week. Just do it. I know it's been tough lately. Just do it. 
Phil Dawson, he's available everywhere. He has six attempts over the past two weeks. Tennessee allows the fourth most attempts. Seven kickers this season have tried at least three field goals against Tennessee. It's Phil Dawson. And kickers, Chris Coons, if Nick Novak is out. Chris Coons plays plays Washington. Washington allows more field goal tries than anybody in the league. Chargers are a big home favorite. So Chris Coons, Phil Dawson, if you have Goat Kerr, you're starting them, and you are not ending up at Arby's, trust me. Denny, where can everyone find you? At CDCarter13 on the Twitter. That's my good account. Uh, and then we will have a tilt montage. I'll throw some music in there. Otherwise, guys, good luck in your first round of the playoffs, and we will talk to you in week 15. Hello, everyone. It's uh, 1.52 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone. I'm once again talking into my phone as I watch football and as I watch my computer and as I watch the disgusting cup of uh, spit out sunflower seeds shells next to me. It's really it's a it's horrifying. I mean, you could make you could make a, a horror franchise based on what this what this cup looks like at the moment. Ooh. Anyway. Here's here's something I love as a, as a Twitter user. I don't know if you if you know, but I do use the website called twitter.com several times per minute. And here's something I love when a beat writer or, or you know someone tracking a team who I follow specifically, you know, for that, although I never tell them to stick to sports. Uh, but anyway, when that person just has like a one word tweet during the game, like, you know, like boom or wow or unbelievable or something like a player's name, like for like Dion Lewis, you just have like Dion. Like, I'm sorry, but what, what does that mean? What are you trying to get across to me? It, 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 by saying, by just saying Dion, it turns out Dion Lewis had a 44 yard run down into like, you know, deep into Bill's territory today. But all I saw from one of the beat writers was Dion. There's something, I mean, there's, you could put anything, anything like Dion 44 yards. Dion takes one up the middle for a long run. Dion Lewis gains 44. Anything to transmit some information beyond the player's first name. Beyond that's it. And this happens all the time. This happens all the time. It happened a couple weeks ago with uh, with Tyrod Taylor when he came in for for uh, Peterman Woderman, and and he ran in for a touchdown late in the game, and somebody who covers the Bills just wrote Tyrod. I don't know what that... Does that mean he was injured? Does that mean he played a fantastic play? Does that mean he threw it downfield? Does that mean he completed it to the Reverend Dr. Charles C. Clay, the sixth Esquire? No one knows. No one knows because it is so terribly, nightmarishly unspecific. You just put tie rod, tie rod, period. It's not... Oh, God. It's not... Mmm... Uh, it's not useful. It's not useful for anyone. It's not useful for anyone. Unless, I suppose, you assume that everybody 
you know, in that, in that case, in the Bills case, that everyone who follows you is watching the god-awful Bills game, whatever that may be for the week. So, you know, I guess, I guess if you're a Patriots beat writer and you just put Dion, then you're assuming people are watching the Patriots. That makes sense. That makes some sense. Patriots are obviously a very watchable uh, team, score a lot of points. But here's the, I think the rule of thumb should be, if you cover a shitty-ass team, I'm sorry to the kids out there, but that's only that's the technical term for what I'm talking about. If you cover a shitty-ass team, then you, you need to be more specific. Tyrod Taylor runs one in for a touchdown. Tyrod Taylor, touchdown. Just give me something, guys. Give me something to work with. I'm tilting. Uh, 3.03 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone. And uh, you know what my, one of my favorite uh, things uh, is, is when uh, Deion Lewis, he gets all the yards and all the carries until the Patriots get inside the 10-yard line. And then Rex Burkhead uh, scores all the touchdowns. That's like my favorite thing right now because, well, let me just look real quick. I have Deion Lewis. Oh, I have Deion. Lu- I have Deion Lewis everywhere, and I don't have Burkehead anywhere. Yep, just confirming that. So that's my favorite thing right now. My favorite thing right now is Burkehead scoring all the touchdowns. I am tilting. You, you know that thing where uh, the field goal kicker you've been pushing on the people all week. Uh, misses an extra point because of a botched snap uh, and then is not does not come in to kick the next extra point so therefore he misses out on two fantasy points because the team then decides to go for a two-point conversion to make up for the whole freaking mess you know that thing that thing that happens yeah josh lambeau everyone yes merry christmas Fucking Christmas. Tilting. <laughs> it's 3.38 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone and Brett Hundley has two fantasy points. <laughs> what? <laughs> the two fantasy... I can't believe... Please kill me immediately! Thank you! Folks. I'm playing against Alvin Kamara in almost every league today. I relate to this song deeply right now. Life in hell. Sounds about right, James Hetfield. Sounds about right. I'm tilting. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. We're more than
Fantasy Football Info. Check out LakeGroundQB.com.